instead of looking at the child's behavior to stop it or to change them as a person, try to look at what the child needs in the moment, not just on the surface. Like obviously maybe they're like, mom, I really need a drink of water. And they're like acting out. It's like not about the water. Why are they acting out? What's going on for them? What do they actually need? Welcome to the Beautifully Complex podcast, where I share insights and strategies on parenting neurodivergent kids straight from the trenches. I'm your host, Penny Williams. I'm a parenting coach, author, and mindset mama, honored to guide you on the journey of raising your atypical kid. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Beautifully Complex podcast. I'm really excited today to be talking to Lauren Pace, and we're going to talk about conscious parenting, which is so, so important for us as parents of neurodivergent kids. We have to have that awareness and intention behind it. So I'm really excited. Lauren's been on the podcast before and in the show notes, I'll link up that episode, but always a pleasure. And I'm really happy to have her back to share some more of her wisdom with you. Lauren, will you start by introducing yourself to everyone listening? Yeah. Hi, I'm Lauren Pace and I am a mom of three. Um, I have my master's degree in child development and I am really, really passionate about just looking at the behavior as communication. And instead of just trying to extinguish the behavior, try to understand what supports our kids need. Mm. And then from there, we're really able to just connect with them better because we're understanding them. And so it just strengthens all parts of parenting. And then you actually enjoy being a parent. So that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I teach on my website, my podcast, my course, my membership. And I'm just happy to be here today. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really excited to have this conversation and to share it with everyone because you are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to development and behavior. Let's start with just defining conscious parenting. What are we talking about when we say conscious parenting? So conscious parenting, I feel like overlaps with a couple of different parenting styles and whatever. It's like pieces of these things. But basically, the main idea is that you are conscious with your own self, that you heal your own self so that you can show up as the parent you truly want to be. And so what that kind of looks like is when you're triggered by your child or like when you have an expectation for your child and you put that on your child, a lot of times we're placing blame or we're, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but like, say like my child's whining and I am triggered by whining. Now I'm making it my child's problem that I'm triggered. Instead, Mm. I look at myself and I say, whoa, I'm feeling triggered. I need to take a break. I set a boundary for my own self-care because I'm being a conscious parent. And I'm not just, a lot of times we parent from this place of this is how we're raised. This is what's expected of society. And I just react. Instead of reacting, I'm actually consciously responding to my own things that are going on inside of me. Yeah. And that is such a pivotal piece of parenting. Yeah, We don't realize how much of our own stuff we put on our kids. And I didn't realize until way late in the game, and I wish somebody had told me a lot sooner, because I had a lot of stuff being someone with anxiety, Mm -hmm. and I really piled it on my kids sometimes, completely unintentionally, but that's, you know, it's still a problem, right? So how do we build that awareness of of what's our stuff and what's our kids' stuff? So honestly, (laughs) okay, so first of all, it goes back to generations, generations and generations. So when Mm. we were born, 
and raised as kids, a lot of our subconscious mind was developed when we were children, when we were young children. And so like the patterns that we see about relationships, the patterns we see about boundaries, the patterns we see about emotions, all of that we're taking in and we're creating these rules. Oh, I'm not allowed to cry because when I cry, I get sent to time out. And oh, I can't set boundaries with my family because for family and our family, we do everything for everyone. So we're learning all these things, right? Then we become parents and we're like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. Like we just kind of parent in automatic mode until we realize I don't want to parent like this. What am I doing? I said I would never do this, but it's so ingrained in who we are that we have to take a step back when we realize, okay, I actually don't want to have to do everything for my family just because they're family, not because I don't love them, but because it's taking up my emotional capacity that I need for my immediate family. Now, you know, you start to realize these things. Right. And so I think that the biggest part of it is like recognizing, like this is before kids are even involved. I haven't even talked about our kids behavior yet. It's just realizing, okay, who do I actually want to be as a parent? And then like having these values, like, okay, I want to be flexible with my kids. I want to Um, maybe I have the value of independence. So then when a behavior comes up, I'm coming from a value driven place, a healed place, a place where I'm just not bringing in all these subconscious expectations of who I'm supposed to be as a parent. Mm -hmm. Then I can show up consciously and be like, okay, in this moment, how can I help my kids? Like my kids having this tantrum, how can I help them through this without the shame and the blame and the timeouts and the things that were, you know, from before? Yeah. Yeah. Just starts with the awareness. I think most things with behavior starts with awareness. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that it's generational. Mm -hmm. We don't often think about that, but we tend to parent either in the example that we had growing up or the opposite maybe of that example. If we did not enjoy that way of being raised, we need examples of things going the way that they should go. And sometimes that doesn't happen, right? Not everyone is raised in a healthy family. Not everyone is shown what it's like to be a calm, conscious parent. And so it really takes a lot of awareness. And I guess the sort of decision that you're going to parent differently and that you're not going to be on autopilot. And I think a lot of us don't even realize we're on autopilot until Mm -hmm. maybe we get a really difficult child. And the traditional ways aren't working. It's clashing. They're not obedient. They're not compliant. And you're like, wait, whoa, like this isn't working. And so I'm going to come at it harder. I'm going to come at it with those strategies that I learned about, you know, because this is unacceptable and we're triggered because we're like, this behavior is not okay. But then if we really go into that trigger, we realize like, oh, wow, this isn't even my belief that I'm holding. I'm parenting with somebody else's belief from before. Yeah. I actually love this analogy that I heard from a woman. She was talking about how we wake up in the morning and we put on this dusty old coat and it might have tears in it and these patches and it might just be ripped at the seams and has all these like ugly patches all over it. And we put it on, we don't even realize we're wearing it. And it's because we have all these things, these beliefs ingrained in us that were just programmed into our subconscious because of the way that we were taught to be at church or the way we were taught to be at school, the way that our parents responded to emotions and all these things. Anyways, we have this coat on and then our child has a behavior and we are reacting from this place. We don't even realize we're wearing this coat. We have all these old beliefs that we're parenting with. 
And so when we start to realize like, oh, wait, I don't want to wear this sleeve or whatever. I don't want to parent with this sleeve. I feel like I'm not doing this analogy justice. But (laughs) when we realize like these beliefs aren't ours, that we're holding somebody else's beliefs, and we start to just parent the child that's in front of us and and show up in the way that this child needs in this moment, that's being a conscious parent. Yeah, that's a great analogy. It reminded me too of um, there's a young adult who works with other young adults with ADHD. And she described in her book that having ADHD is like wearing this super, super giant heavy backpack that nobody else has. And you're told to run this race, but you're at a severe disadvantage, right? And I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, taking those pieces out and letting go of them, taking that heavy book out and letting go of it, taking out the bowling ball or whatever, you know, you want to put in that analogy. But yeah, and just sort of shedding all of those things. Well, and I love that too, because like, say my husband has his own coat and you have your own coat and somebody else has their own coat. And a lot of times we judge other parents because we'll look at them and like, why would they act like that? But we don't know what baggage they're carrying Mm -hmm. from their own childhood. We don't know what example they had. And I feel like I had an awesome childhood, but I still have so many things ingrained in my coat because my parents were doing the best with what they knew at the time. And like, I have learned beyond that emotionally, emotional health, beyond that boundaries, beyond that different things. And so like, it's my job to take the coat and stitch up the parts that are broken and then Mm. do my best with what I have. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Where do parents start though? You know, what we're talking about is a lot of difficult work and it's a journey, right? It takes time. Yeah. And I can just imagine that some parents are asking themselves or us (laughs) out loud, where in the world do I start or how do I start down this different path? I want to do it differently. What do I do first? I love that so much. And I have realized like, so I'm a behavior coach, right? And so a lot of my parenting programs, I talk about, okay, here's how we figure out what's going on with behavior. And here's how we help when our child's having tantrums. And here's how we this. And I realized that... A lot of these strategies are amazing strategies, but if we haven't done the work on ourselves, none of them are going to work, mm-hmm. right? And so the work on ourselves is a lifelong journey, but here's how you start. I simplify it, but I think it's the most simple, simplified analogy or whatever. I use the volcano analogy. So I use my whole like parenting podcast is now surrounded around this volcano analogy. And what happened is one day I was super overwhelmed with my kids and It wasn't about them. It was about everything going on for me. But I was just at the point where I was about to explode. Like, have you ever been there before where you just want to like yell and hope that everybody stops doing what they're doing? It's like an explosion. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting on the couch with my kids and I was like, okay, pretend mom is a volcano. And when screaming happens, my lava goes up. And when fighting happens, my lava goes up. And when I find out bad news about a friend, my lava goes up. And all day long dishes, all these things make my lava go up. And if I don't have time or space or the emotional capacity to bring my lava down, it's going to explode. And I'm like, deep breaths help my lava go down. Taking a break helps my lava go down. I'm like explaining this to my kids on the couch. They're five (laughs) and three. And I was like, big hugs, like sitting with you guys brings my lava down. But when this happens and this happens and this happens, my lava keeps going up. It's going to explode. So then my son started to give me hugs. He's like, is this helping your lava go down? I'm like, my lava is right here right now. And he's like, is this helping your lava go down? I'm like, yeah, it's like right here. But listen, I'm in charge of my lava and you're in charge of your lava. And you guys keep fighting. Your lava keeps exploding. Pretend you have a volcano too. 
how can you bring your lava down? How can I bring my lava down so that there's not fighting and clashing and explosions all day long? And it's this analogy that they really understood. But what I really loved about it is I was taking ownership for my own emotions. Like, yes, the behaviors you're doing is contributing to my lava, but it's not your behavior that's making me explode. It's a combination of all these things that are too overwhelming for me to handle if I'm not getting my own self-care met. Mm. So I think like parents understanding what makes your lava go up, what helps bring your lava down, and then prioritizing what brings your lava down every single day will help you show up better as the parent that you want to be. I'm so happy you brought up self-care. So, so happy because it is that important. (laughs) That's what it is. It is. It's so important. Getting your needs met so you can show up the way you want to show up. Yeah. If we are not feeling good, we can't do good. And that goes for every human being. And so as a parent, if I am showing up and I don't feel good because I haven't dealt with my stuff, I'm not taking care of myself. So my lava is just boiling. Yeah. Then I can't do my best for my kids. It's so crazy that we sacrifice ourselves as parents to show that our kids are everything to us and that we're going to do our absolute best. It's all about the kids, right? Because that's what's expected. And when we do that, we actually don't do as good a job for them as if we also took care of ourselves and made ourselves a priority too. We're also modeling that the life that they need to live is a life of Mm self-sacrifice. And when they become a mom or a parent, like especially for women, it's a disservice to them to not take care of yourself because then we're modeling, hey, when you're a grown up, here's what you have to do the rest of your life. Yeah. You're a servant to your children. Yeah. And no parent wants that. No. You know, we don't just kind of sit down and take a step back and look at self-care in a really accurate way. (laughs) We just think that it's selfish. And it is the opposite of selfish. Mm -hmm. It is exactly what you need to do in order to really show up and really do your best for anyone around you. Yeah. And I think a lot of parents, like moms especially, we have this like guilt, like, oh, if I take care of me, I'm not doing my job as a mom or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I mean, that sometimes can come up in the back of my mind too. It's like, oh, like I'm sitting here doing this while my husband's out doing that. But like, hold up. No, mom. First of all, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're doing so much more than just keeping the kids alive. Okay, first of all. (laughs) Or a working mom. Any mom. Every mom. But also like, self-care isn't just about getting your nails done. I mean, it can be. Mm -hmm. You can get your nails done if that's something you need to like feel awesome and happy or doing your lashes or doing your hair. Like I do all those things. But I think the biggest thing is If you don't prioritize your own emotional self-care so that you have the emotional capacity to be present and to be regulated, even in the chaos of parenting, then that's where you run into trouble. Like you can get your hair done, but it's not necessarily about having pretty hair. It's maybe about having that time away just for you. Like it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm trying to be this pretty mom. It can be, but more so it's like, Are you taking the breaks you need to have physical, emotional, financial connection outside of just this role of motherhood? Yeah, it's so monumentally important. I don't know why I said financial. I feel like that doesn't work. I think it works. You know, we can really be worried (laughs) and and about to explode about finances. (laughs) I think you do have to take care of that. You know, you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's all these different aspects of wellness And financial is definitely one of those. Absolutely. You know, I'm just so glad that the conversation went in this direction a little bit because it's everything. And and we're not even talking yet about the physical 
repercussions of not taking care of yourself or not managing your stress, right? There's so many things that can go on for us physically. I have fibromyalgia. I believe that it was probably triggered by a whole lot of stress and not understanding my kid at the beginning and how to help him and just being so overwhelmed and so worried about him. You know, there's not necessarily any scientific data to say that, but there's a lot of scientific speculation. I believe that too. 100%. I believe that. Well, not specifically on your case, but I believe that emotions inside of us create disease Mm -hmm. if they're not dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. They really tear us apart. And, you know, you can have headaches, heart problems, weight issues, blood pressure issues, all sorts of things can come from too much stress and not managing your stress. And it's interesting because when I started down that road of something's wrong, but nobody can figure it out, it took five years to get a fibro diagnosis. And every doctor would say, well, all your tests are clean. You just really need to manage your stress. And I remember thinking every single time I would get so angry and I'd get out in the car and I'd like have that angry cry because I wasn't being heard. Mm -hmm. And because I thought, well, I can't manage my stress. I can't give away my kids. (laughs) Right? That's what I thought. (laughs) I thought like managing your stress was cutting it out of your life. And it's not. And And it took me a long time to learn that. And when I was able to learn how to actually manage my stress, which was all about those things you were talking about to tamp down the lava in our volcanoes, Mm -hmm. then I just did so much better, so much better. And I, you know, I have this physical reminder because every time I get stressed, my pain goes up, right? And so for me, I have a very tangible reminder, like you must be dealing with this. But I think we all have that because I think when things start to fall apart in our families, it's kind of that signal okay, something's not going right here. We're not feeling good anymore. What do we need to look at? Absolutely. And I think like in motherhood, there's always, or parenthood in general, there's always something we're worried about. Always. Oh, yeah, totally. Like right now, I'm worried about my child making friends. A couple weeks ago, I was worried about leaving my kids for three days. Like there's always something that's going to come up that we're worried about. And it's like, we can't make the worry go away. Can't make the situation go away because we're parents. We have kids. We have responsibilities. But we can do things to manage our stress. So maybe I get a babysitter and just do a one-on-one date with my child. Or maybe, you know, there's different things to that we can do to help aid us in our problems. Yep. It's about management, not about mm-hmm. ending the stress. It's about yeah. managing it yeah. in a way that's healthy. Totally. Yeah. So how else can we be really aware and showing up for our kids? I think especially this is important to think about when our kids are having a hard time and things aren't really going well for our kids, but we want to help them. Like our intention is always to help our kids. We love them. We want to do the best by them, but sometimes we don't make the best choices to do that, right? And how do we stay aware in those moments and stay conscious of the way that we're interacting with our kids and how we're going to affect what's going on when things are really hard? Yeah. Okay. So I love, I love that you brought this up. And I think, first of all, I'm going to address it from the point of view that we did just explode on our child. Okay. Okay. Yep. So we just exploded like, stop whining okay. <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yep. So we're, we're here. We've exploded. This happens all of the time, especially like when you're doing the work on yourself because you're overwhelmed. You're like, oh my goodness, I just can't do this anywhere. So what do we do? I have this like acronym 
that's like pause and ABC. So pause, just whew, pause. Okay. Acknowledge that you're triggered. Whoa, I'm feeling really triggered right now. Or like, you don't have to use the word triggered. Some people don't like that word, but it's like, acknowledge, whoa, like this is not how I want to act. Okay. Acknowledge. Then be curious. What's this really about? Okay. I'm stressed because I'm touched out. There's too much noise. My kids keep fighting. I have no one to help me, blah, blah, blah. You start to be curious about what this is really about, what's really going on in your lava, and then come back to calm. So then you're like, okay, I'm going to, maybe you go on a walk around the house. Maybe you just take a really deep breath. Maybe you, like, if your partner's there, you say, hey, I just need like a minute. Can you take over for a minute? And I'll be right back. There's so many things you can do to come back to calm. Like everyone has different regimen of how to come back to calm, but But then once you're back to calm, then you step back in and address and you repair and you make it better because it's like this example that I'm imperfect too, but also my behavior wasn't acceptable and I'm going to make it right with you because it's not okay for me to act that way. Like it's okay for me to be frustrated, but it's not okay for me to freak out on you. So then you enter the situation and be like, hey, whoa, sorry guys, my lava just exploded and I am just feeling really overwhelmed because of this, this, and this. How about we all go take some quiet time and then we can go do something fun. But let's just take a break for a minute and then we can, you know, come back. So, like, I think it's like a really healthy example of showing them that, you know, sometimes we make mistakes, but it doesn't have to ruin our relationship and we can make repairs and we can try our best and we can make changes in our environment to help our lava go down altogether. Yeah, that's so important. It's so important that we're human, but it's also so important that we show what we do when things don't go the way we wanted them to. How do we show up yeah. and make amends and take responsibility yeah. You know, for what has happened? So that was if you've already exploded. Yeah. What happens if things are just getting intense and you're having a hard time with it? You're feeling the heat, but you haven't yet yeah. exploded. Can you do something to keep yourself from boiling over? Yeah, so I would say in this situation that you do some of those same things I just talked about. You pause, Mm -hmm. figure out who you're going to be, who you're going to show up in this moment. Like it can literally be five seconds, be like, okay, I'm going in and I'm going to be calm. And you, you have that moment of pause where you're like intentional. I think so much happens in the moment where we just react. And if we pause and then respond, we're giving our brain a second to integrate with all parts. And so we're actually thinking logically and not just reacting to a situation that might be triggering for us. Yeah, that's so important to bring in what's happening in our bodies too. Yeah. You know, we need that breath or that pause in order to slow our nervous system so that we don't just react and explode. Exactly. So what happens with triggers is our brain senses danger, right? Mm -hmm. Our brain's like, oh no, this is not a good situation. And so what happens is our amygdala is like, oh, activate, fight, flight, or freeze even. And then your body just reacts. Okay. So if we can get to a point where our brain starts to sense danger and we're like, no, 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 brain, this is just a noise. I got this. Then we can show up how we want to show up instead of letting our body take over and our impulses take over. That's so, so good. Yeah. And, you know, too, we know about our brains that when our emotional brain or our survival brain is flooded, so like you said, we're getting that warning of danger. Our thinking brain is inaccessible. It goes offline. Yeah. And now we can't problem solve. Yeah. You know, this is a conversation that I started having with my son several years ago because 
I found that it was really important for him to understand his biology and why things were happening that often he felt like he didn't have control of and how he could take control. And to be able to say, okay, neither one of us have our thinking brains online right now when things deteriorate for both of us. And so we're going to take that break. Yeah. And then our thinking brain is going to come back online. And then we're going to come back and we're going to solve this problem. We're going to help you out with what's going on because then we can. It's really important for kids to understand that about themselves too, not just parents. Absolutely. I think you brought up a third issue. So like if the kids are dysregulated and you can be regulated, then you can just kind of co-regulate and work through the situation. Mm -hmm. But the third situation is if you're both dysregulated, nothing is going to be working, right? Yeah. And it's not going to work out. And a lot of times we go in, our kids have just entered, you know, the point of no return and we go in with anger or even with logic and we come at it their thinking brains are off. They're operating completely from their limbic brain. It is not a situation that is going to end well. No. And that's usually when we teach, like even if we are regulated, that's usually the time we come in and we're like, oh no, we absolutely do not do this to our sibling. But the problem is not what we're saying or what we're teaching or what our values are. The problem is the timing. So if we can just be like, okay, why don't you take a break and we'll talk about this in a little bit. And then we see, oh, they're back to calm. Now we can talk about this. It's going to go so much different. Timing. That's so crucial. I love that you said timing because that is so true. And that's how we really figure out that timing. Am I regulated or dysregulated? Is my child regulated or dysregulated? You know, in our behavior program, we talk about, are you co-regulating or (laughs) co-escalating? So if you're both dysregulated, guess what's happening? (laughs) Like the temperature of the two volcanoes side to side is just going to explode, right? right? But if somebody is calm, then you're offering some calm for your kid to borrow. But you still have to understand that their thinking brain may be offline. Like you said, this still may not be the time because they also have to be regulated in order to work together and to get somewhere with an issue that you're having. Absolutely. Yeah. What else do we need to talk about in the realm of conscious parenting? So one thing that I was thinking, so a lot of it is about us, right? Mm -hmm. But also our kids have hard behaviors. And I think you were asking this just a second ago, but then the other part I want to add to this is like, instead of looking at the child's behavior to stop it or to change them as a person, try to look at what the child needs in the moment, not just on the surface. Like obviously maybe they're like, mom, I, I really need a drink of water. And they're like acting out. It's like not about the water. Why are they acting out? What's going on for them? What do they actually need? Do they need connection? Do they need a break? Do they need an earlier bedtime? There's like so many needs under the surface. And if we can be present to try to understand what our child needs when they have behavior, that's another way that we can be conscious parents. Yeah. So you're diving deep and asking, what could this be about, really? Yeah. And I think it's so important that we take that pause again and ask ourselves, could it be something different than what it feels like? Yeah. You know, we tend to take behavior so personally as parents, right? Mm -hmm. And I think our kids take it personally when they get unwanted behavior from us, right? I mean, I think that goes two ways. Totally. But we have to be able to ask ourselves, okay, this feels really personal. This feels really bad. This feels really disrespectful. But what else could it be? And that's really getting to your point that then we're diving deeper on that and we're figuring things out. And you have to be conscientious and intentional to do that. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I mean, there's so many parts of conscious parenting. And I think 
I have a, a rise challenge that I do. It's like basically the idea is to baby steps to start becoming a conscious parent. Obviously, you can't become a conscious parent in three weeks. Right. But the first part of it is just kind of reflecting and figuring out like who you even want to be as a parent. And then the second part is unlearning a lot of our old, old beliefs. And then the third part is like reframing behavior. So like all of these things that we've talked about today kind of fall into each of these different categories. It's like, okay, who do you want to be? Like, first of all, do you even want to show up differently for your parent? If you don't have that desire, you're probably not going to do it. So what are your values? Like, What's your family culture? What's your rules? Like, what do you consider is like who you want to be as a parent? And then we start to unlearn those beliefs and we're like, oh, this is actually not my belief. I've been holding on to it from my grandma, but I'm going to let it go now. And then the third one is like when our kids have hard behaviors, instead of shaming them for the behavior or being like, you can't be angry, we understand what that anger is about and help them express it in a healthy way. Yeah. And so I guess the takeaway for an action item for parents, what they can do, you know, after they're listening to this podcast is to really sit down and take some time to map out the parent that they want to be, right? Yeah. That's the first step. I think, yeah, that's the first step is just figuring out the parent you want to be. And obviously, that's kind of a broad question. But what I would do is just like, what are some values that you would like to incorporate into your family culture? Mm -hmm. And then you can Google a list of values and be like, oh, I would like to show up with this, like when fighting happens, or I would like our family to have more cooperation. Okay, so now how can we have cooperation in our family in these instances, instead of the old ways that we used to do things? Yeah, throwing out that old rule book again. Yeah. Making it up in a better way, for sure. Well, we have covered a lot, and I know that there's so much more to conscious parenting, but I think this has been a great overview for everyone listening. And we will put links in the show notes to Lauren's website, social media, all that good stuff. Link up the RISE program to you that you mentioned a few minutes ago, if anyone's interested in that. And I certainly hope that you will visit the page, visit Lauren online, learn more from her, maybe work with her as well. I know that you will get great benefit from that. And I, of course, so appreciate your time, Lauren. And I always really enjoy connecting with you and talking to you and um, just getting a glimpse of the way that you navigate motherhood is always inspiring, honestly. So I thank you again for being here and sharing some of that with us. Thank you so much, Penny. It's been so fun to be here again. And with that, we'll end the episode. I'll see everyone next time. Take good care. Thanks for joining me on the Beautifully Complex podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And don't forget to check out my online courses and parent coaching at parentingadhdandautism.com and at thebehaviorrevolution.com. Thank you.